that includes young women, in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. And this is the word that I may preach to you. I know what you may be thinking to yourself this morning. What relevance does our text of this morning have for a congregation that is made up of a variety of people uh, and not just youth? We have the youth among us. We have the children among us, which we're very thankful for. But what does this have to say to the rest of us? Well, it is true that the youth are directly addressed. What is said here applies to all of us at some level. In the first place, the youth have a very important place among God's people. So we all ought to know what that means for each one of us. We are members of each other. We're not on our own. We're not islands. And that's why we're gathered for worship. Because God has brought us together and we are members of each other who care for each other, who live together, who also find life in and through each other by the power of the Spirit. So it's good for all of us to know God's desires, his heart for the youth, for the children, the young people. In the second place, what God says here to youth is foundational for all of life. So... None of us really are, um, are in any way left out. That's why the youth are specifically addressed. The Holy Spirit wants to place the youth, the children, the young people, boys and girls, young people, on a good life course, on, on a good trajectory. For those of us who are older then, these things are a good reminder God wants to teach us things about youth that will help us through our whole lives, through every stage of life, even to our last breath. God wants us to extend our youthfulness into old age. He wants us to stay young, in in a sense, by listening to what he tells us here. And so that we can be an example to the youth of, of what it is to live with God, of the joy that it is to be a child of God, a joy that can never die, will never die, not even with our last breath. Just remember that our, our Creator, throughout our lives right into old age, if God allows. So the Spirit tells us this morning, enjoy life. Youth are called here on a a quest for joy. Cheerfulness, happiness are are not merely permitted here, but they're commanded. This is what God wants for each one of us. He he commands us to be joyful. And he doesn't do that in a ham-fisted, heavy-handed way. He does it because he, 
He commands us to be joyful because He knows how good it is for us, how necessary it is for us, how life-giving it is for us. Joy is here portrayed as an essential ingredient of of holiness and, and godliness. It shouldn't surprise us then that That joy is at the top of the list of the fruit of the Spirit, preceded only by love. And that's why we read Galatians 5 earlier. We could have read Matthew 6, and I would encourage you to do that sometime today or this week. But remember what Paul says there in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love. And it can be translated this way, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That is joy, peace, patience, and so on. And Notice how joy is right at the top of the list, right after love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, that is joy. It's one of the clearest indicators of Christians is their joy. Their youthful joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 4. I will say it again if you didn't hear it. Rejoice. Some of you, I'm sure, have read or heard what C.S. Lewis once wrote about this in his famous Mud Pies parable. It would seem our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. So the Spirit here tells us to aim high to set our hearts on things above where Christ is. Christ our joy. God isn't merely offering us the better alternative. He's commanding us to take hold of it. He knows how important it is for us and He wants us to understand its importance. That's why Jesus tells us so forcefully in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first God's kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given you as well. In fact, Jesus' promise to his followers is that we already have the kingdom of God. Luke 12, verse 32, do not fear, little flock, for your your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Did Did you hear that? That is a reality that is a reality that is a truth for you, a present reality if you believe in Jesus and are His followers, God has already given you the kingdom. That alone is reason for joy. We're not waiting for the kingdom of God. We already have it. We're already in possession of it. Like Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 6, we're already seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. He doesn't say, look forward to when you will be seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. He says, no, in Christ you are already seated in the heavenly realms. Doesn't that make you happy?
Any reader of Ecclesiastes will quickly notice that the preacher is constantly describing, describing the life of faith as one of enjoy, enjoyment. Yeah, we know the refrain, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanities. But there's also that refrain of joy. This is something that you will especially notice if you read through the, the book of Ecclesiastes in one sitting. And I encourage you to do that. It doesn't take that long, actually. It's a nice thing to do on, on uh, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. We all have a little bit of extra time. Just hear the refrain again and again. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 24, for example, Nothing is better for a man, for a woman, boy or girl, than that he should eat and drink, and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God, for God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. The next chapter, Ecclesiastes 3, he has made everything beautiful in its time. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice, to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Joy is the gift of God to you and to me. Later in the same chapter, so I perceive that nothing is better than than that a man should rejoice in his, in his own works, for that is his heritage. Enjoy what you're doing. Enjoy your work. Enjoy your hobbies. Enjoy your sports. Enjoy the things that you're busy with from day to day. God wants you to enjoy them. Ecclesiastes 5, here's what I've seen. It is good and, and fitting for one to eat and drink and to, to enjoy Again, enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him, for it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God, for he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. It's the kind of people that we can be. People who, who instead of being anxious, busy with the anxieties of our heart, can be busy with the joy of our hearts. The joy that God has given us. That that can occupy us. That that can drive us. That that gets us out of bed every morning. That that helps us to say goodbye to 2023 and welcome a new year and a, and a new day and a new hour and a new week. Again and again. Ecclesiastes 9 goes on. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already accepted your works. Let your garments always be white. Let your head lack no oil. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life which he has given you under the sun all your days of vanity. For that is your portion in life and the labor which you perform under the sun. Refrain of joy. What's perhaps even more surprising in our text, however, is the manner in which God wants you and me to enjoy life. Notice what he says. Walk, verse 9, walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes and and we have to like maybe rub our eyes and say, hmm, is that, is that actually in the Bible? 
Well, yes it is. It's not a mistranslation. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. Enjoy life. Have a zest and passion for life. Take full advantage of your youth. Be young when you're young. Be young when you're old. Youth doesn't expire at a certain age. Follow the impulses of your heart, the Spirit is saying. Explore, discover, enjoy the things that God has made. God made all things for our joy. He made things good. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't, say, he doesn't just say walk in the ways of your heart. Also in the sight of your eyes. If you see something good, pursue it. Something delightful, enjoy it. This counsel of the preacher goes against the popular and ill-conceived notion that, that being a Christian, that being holy is it's boring, isn't it? Blows it out of the water. It's a myth that living by faith is stifling. That being filled with the Holy Spirit chokes human freedom. It actually gives freedom. It gives joy. And a joy that can never be taken away. The truth is that while some things are prohibited by God and His Word, everything else is wide open for us to enjoy. Just like in paradise. Remember how it was in the beginning. God gave Adam and Eve the whole garden. And He only gave them one restriction. He only gave Adam and Eve one prohibition. Isn't this remarkable? The only restriction, the only prohibition was you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And everything else was free game for them to enjoy. Isn't it, isn't it striking too that, that God has only given us ten commandments? Ten rules to live by? Each of them very good? And people have tried to improve on them. Made other lists of rules for life. Well, good try. But there's nothing like God's commands. They're all good. Each is for our blessing. Each shows us the life of freedom and joy in Christ. Not a shackle to bind us, but blessing to lead us into a life of freedom and joy and peace and goodness. And so the Spirit says... Go enjoy life. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Follow your impulses and, and, desire, and desires to enjoy the life that God has given you. The only limit, the only condition is, like it says at the end of verse 9, know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. The point of mentioning judgment is not to take away the joy just offered. It's not as if the Spirit gives with one hand and takes with the other. It says, go and enjoy life, but don't forget, you're going to be judged. 
No, no. He says, go enjoy life. And remember, you're going to be judged. That's how important it is to heed this command. To make us... So, so the Spirit mentions that we will be judged to make us realize how much it matters to Him, how much it matters to God that we will actually enjoy His gifts to us. We don't, we don't want to experience the alternative. He wants to keep the alternative far away from us because it's going to make us captives. It's going to bind us. It's going to bring us down. It's going to ensnare us. It's going to rob us of joy. Our salvation and welfare matters to God and that's why he makes it a command. Not an option, but a command. God warns us here because he doesn't want us to harm ourselves, but rather fully enjoy what he has made for us. Notice how much God wants this for us. Look at verse 10. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remove sorrow or vexation from your heart. You know, the the word that's used these days is anxiety. Well, I think we need to relearn that word vexation because that's what it is. The prophets of our day are saying, yeah, everyone's suffering from anxiety. The problem with the youth, anxiety is through the the roof for our youth. Let's call it what it is. It's vexation. It's vexation. That which angers, that which grieves, that which irritates, that which annoys and perplexes. And God wants to remove all that. He wants to take that away from us. He wants us to remember that that He is God, that, that He is King, and that He is good. And so we don't need to be anxious. We don't need to be vexed. We don't need to be distressed. Remember that I am God and that I love you. That I sent Jesus to save you. The prophets of doom and gloom in this world have no room for God. And what does that do? That only increases the anxiety and the vexation of humanity, including our children and young people. Because where there is no God, there is no hope. That's why we have good news. We have good news for the world, for young people, for boys and girls, for young men and young women. For all humanity. It basically goes something like this. Don't take yourself so seriously. Remember that you're but dust. You're but human. 
And there is a God. There is a sovereign God who reigns. And He is good. And He is good for you in Christ. And that's what the preacher says here in Ecclesiastes 2 along that same lines. He says, don't, he says, don't act old when you're young. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 16, don't be overly righteous nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? The flip side of that is Ecclesiastes 7 verse 17. Don't be overly wicked nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? So in other words, don't take yourselves too seriously, but also don't be foolish. Don't be stupid. Because if you go the way of foolishness, you'll die before your time. And so he says in verse 10, put away evil from your flesh. Along the lines of what Paul talks about in, in, in Galatians 5, which we read, put away the, the works of the flesh and put on the fruit of the Spirit. So get, get rid of those entanglements, those physical barriers to joy Get rid of, remember those things that he mentions. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, get rid of it. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and and the like. Get rid of that. Put, Put that away. It's in your past. Like Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I think if you would ask our, our young people, especially those in their teens or late teens and early 20s, And if they were honest with you, they would tell you that when you fall, you fall good. Does that sound familiar? When you fall, you fall good. Remember Isaiah 40, verse 30 and 31. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men, young women stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Young people, when you fall, you fall good. But you have a good God who lifts you up. Who raises you up again. Who makes you soar on wings like eagles again. And helps you run again. And this is why the preacher goes on and says, remember your Creator. In verse, chapter one, uh, verse, verse 1 of chapter 12. Remember your Creator. In other words, remember that you are created. 
And this goes against the whole narrative of our world, doesn't it? And this is part of the reason why there is so much anxiety, so much vexation in our world, because there is no acknowledgement of the Creator. And when the Creator is out of the equation, then we have to create ourselves. We have to create our own destiny. We have to create our own future. We have to dream our own dreams. And we have to be self-made people. Is there any wonder why people are so anxious and vexed? We have a God. We have a Creator. We are created. We are but dust. And our Creator is good. And He's made us humans the pinnacle of His creation. And that makes all the difference. Remember that you are a creature. God is the potter. We are the clay. As someone has said, we need to drop our pretense of self-sufficiency and commit ourselves to God. That's the good news that we have for the world. That's good news. That's good news for the world. Even though many won't admit it, or at least not right away. As creatures, we are homo homo adorans. We're not only homo sapiens, we're homo adorans, that is, worshipping creatures. We're created for worship. We've been created by God for God. We haven't been... we, we, We aren't our own creators and thus worship ourselves. We've been created by God for God. So marvel at God's creation. Marvel at your creator. Explore what he has made. Enjoy what he has made also in you, in your character, in the gifts that he's given you, in your friendships, in your relationships, in, in, the, in the place where he's put you. Remember that your chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Remember the first question and answer of the Westminster Catechism. What is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of you and me? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We're reminded that the days of youth go by quickly. Notice what it says in, in verse 10. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Or another way of putting it, childhood and youth are, are fleeting. They, they go by quickly. Our days are fleeting. Robert Burns, Scottish poet, put it this way. But pleasures are like poppies spread. You seize the flower, the bloom is shed. Or like the snow falls on the river, a moment white then melts forever. I saw a picture of this display of this artist. I'm not even sure where it is, but this artist who uh, had all these frozen 
um, images of people. And so he created these, these ice figurines, I guess. And then he put them on display on, on steps somewhere. And his point was that this is your life. What, what, what would happen to those icicle figures? They melt away. And I think the point is, like our text too, your life is fleeting. Our life is fleeting. Our life here is fleeting. The more we do what God tells us to do here, the less likely our youthfulness will escape us. Remember what it says in in Psalm 92, Psalm 92, the end of the psalm, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. And then notice what it says next. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. Do you hear that? that that's, that's the good news. That's, that's the opposite of, of that display of those ice, icicle figurines. The old, the old who trust in the Lord, the seniors who put their faith in God, they're still full of life. They're still youthful in their old age. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in Him. When we live by faith in God, in Christ, when, when we embrace the life that Christ gives to us, then we proclaim the gospel of life. And we proclaim that, that this life isn't all there is. And that we're not just going to melt away, but that we're, we're going to live forever in the presence of God and enjoy Him forever. And that's why we're so happy for the seniors among us, aren't we? What a joy it is to see seniors, also the seniors here, flourishing like this in their old age. What a blessing it is to see you seniors still radiating youthful joy and, and spirit-filled energy despite aging. What a joy it is to see seniors who realize that retirement doesn't mean quitting life. It means reassignment in the kingdom. What a joy it is to see seniors still doing so much in spite of having less energy and less strength. And so we give thanks to God for the seniors among us. Now what is ignoring this this gospel message. What is the result of that? Well, the Spirit tells us that in Proverbs 5, verse 11 and following. 
There it says, Do not depart from the words of my mouth, or you will mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and and say how I have hated instruction, my heart despised correction, I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. See, again, the Spirit is reminding us, you don't want to go that way. Rejoice in God. Remember your Creator. Because the alternative is ruin. The alternative is death. The alternative is misery. So like Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In conclusion, I want to paraphrase our text as follows. You who are young, make the most of your youth. Relish youthful vigor. Follow the impulses of your heart. If something looks good to you, pursue it. But know also that not just anything goes. And not everything ends well. You have to answer to God. Your good God. For every last bit of it. Honor and enjoy your Creator while you're still young, before the years take their toll and your vigor wanes. And stay young. Remember that whatever may happen, when you hope in the Lord, He will renew your strength. You will soar on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not be faint. Yours will be the fullness of joy in Jesus. That's what he has in store for you. The fullness of joy. Life to the full. That gives you and me good hopes for 2024 and for whatever lies ahead even into all eternity. Let us pray. For this reason, O Lord, the reason that we have heard in your word We bow our our knees before you, our Father. Our good, good Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of your glory, you may grant us to be strengthened with power through your Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and so that we, 
Also, as we move into a new year, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the height and the depth of your love and to know this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge itself that we may be filled with all your fullness, O God, and with the fullness of joy in Christ. Now to you who are able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at at work within us, to you be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.